Aloha. You're listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Locked On Podcast Network. My guest today from The Athletic, Tony Jones. Aloha, Tony. Uh, Do I say aloha or do I just say hello? You get to say whatever you want, man. How are you? All right. We are in the NBA Big Board Locked On Podcast streaming live on YouTube. Let's start the show. All right. There it is. The big opening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board podcast. We are now roughly one day away from the NBA draft, recording this on a Tuesday afternoon uh, with lots of stuff happening. It's always risky because we're going to talk about some sort of current events happening. It's always risky this time of year to record a pod like this because uh, lots of stuff happening, trades going down, everything else. But we want to break down what's happening around the draft right now with about a day to go. And Tony, let's start with the fact that Kate Cunningham's been number one. My big board, your big board, most teams in the league big board all year. However, I did say right before the draft, the Pistons love Jalen Green. And, and, and you can see why. Probably the sexiest prospect in this draft, an elite scorer, uh, would add athleticism to that roster, what have you. Detroit gets the number one pick. And, and I posited in that mock draft, maybe, just I think it's going to be Cade Cunningham, but maybe it's Jalen Green. Then all these signals come out of Detroit. No, no, Cade Cunningham, don't panic, don't panic. Jalen Green goes in for a workout in Detroit uh, over the weekend. Wow's Detroit Brass, Mark Stein uh, reporting today that it was so impressive uh, that it's giving the Pistons pause uh, about whether it's Cade Cunningham or Jalen Green, or maybe they take a trade to move down a spot or two in the draft. And so I'm going to start at the top here because you've been one of the biggest advocates for Cade Cunningham all year. Is it a mistake? Let's just let's just assume for a minute that they're not trading, so this is just who they select at number one. Would it be a mistake for Detroit to take Jalen Green over Cade Cunningham? Um, so I say this, I, I preface this with the the thought that I think Jalen Green is a franchise pick. Uh, that being said, uh, or a franchise type of player, like he's a potential franchise, he's a franchise talent. Um, that being said, don't overthink this. The pick is Kay Cunningham. Go to the podium, submit to Adam Silver, put Kay Cunningham's name on a piece of paper. You know, Vontae Mack, no matter what, Kay Cunningham, no matter what. So that is that is the, the pick. That That's the guy that, that should be the top pick. He's the guy that either you're going to ride or die with in this draft if you're a number one pick. You're either going to get a franchise point guard uh, for a decade, or you're going to miss trying to get a franchise point guard for a decade. Um, Jalen Green, um, Jalen Green plays at a less important position, which is the two guard spot. Um, he's, you know, uh, Kay Cunningham is, is got elite, um, size for his position and elite feel for the game. Um, I don't think that Kay Cunningham is, is Luca in terms of a score, but, his his impact and his the way he plays is 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 kind of Luca esque, um, and he's a guy that has the highest floor in the draft. I always say that even if Kay Cunningham misses, if he completely misses, you're getting a guy who's going to be a high level starter for ten years, and that's if he misses. 
So if he may, if he, if he hits, you're getting a franchise for 10 years. So it is for me, you just don't overthink it. And you just go and you pick Kay Cunningham and you give him the ball from day one. Yeah. It's interesting to see, is this an overthink? Is this part of, I, I doubt it with Troy Weaver because I, you know, I think that they have a very professional process there. Uh, I'm wondering what other factors are there, but the, the workout is intriguing to me. I've been on this rodeo for a long time. I've seen some incredible workouts. I've seen Darko Milicic shoot the lights out in front of the entire Darko. Pistons roster and wow people. I've seen Damian Lillard do great workouts. I've also seen prospects that, you know, in all shapes and forms are, you know, are out there dominating in workouts. It doesn't surprise me, first of all, that Jalen Green would look great in a workout setting. Uh, you're, you're talking about one of the two or three best athletes in the draft, a very driven prospect. He's got a chip on his shoulder right now. He's saying if he had not gone to the G League, he would be the clear number one pick in the draft. He thinks people are disrespecting him now. I can see that. I can see it, him walking into a gym and just just lighting it on fire. But it's a one-on-none workout. He's not playing against Cade Cunningham or in any sort of competitive basketball, first of all. That, that's the first thing that scares me. I, 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 it is interesting that this year, more than any year that I've covered the draft, it seems like workouts are mattering more because of the limited scouting in-person availability that teams have had this year because of COVID-19. You cover the Jazz. The Jazz are a team that notoriously has, you know, some workout stories that really shifted their thinking and got them players that they wanted, including their two all-stars, Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, right? That both of those players really sealed the deal with a terrific workout. Isn't that right? Well, and, and that's the that's the the conundrum of of the NBA pre-draft process, right? How do you balance the value of the workout with the value of the scout or the value of the film or the value of the combine measurements or the value of the combine scrimmages and how much weight do you put towards all of that the workout that you're talking about is donovan mitchell which was so good for the jazz that jobs were literally on the line um in terms of keeping um that workout secret and you know in the in the jazz you know they tried not to tip their hand but you know we all knew about draft day who who the jazz really wanted and they were able to go and get uh donovan mitchell uh in, in that in that draft class um at the same time you know if you look at somebody like a k cunningham i would expect k cunningham to look better in a five-on-five setting and if you look at somebody like a jalen green just like you said, I would expect Jalen Green to wow on a workout. That's not to say that he's not going to look good in a five-on-five setting because I obviously expect him to look really good as an NBA player. Um, you know, the 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 thing with 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 Kay Cunningham for me is, you know, you just trust the years of watching him. You know, you he he's he's been pretty much the top player in the class. Um, from the time he was 15 or 16 years old. Uh, he was arguably the top player in college basketball uh, in, his, in, his, in his one season. Um, you know, and when I look back at that, era, that Oklahoma State team, uh, what Kay was 
able to accomplish was even more impressive to me. He was playing with uh, ball dominant guards. He was playing with a lot of, with not a lot of spacing. Uh, he was playing with, to me, not a lot of uh, offensive imagination from a coach's standpoint, from a coaching standpoint. I think if you put him in spacing, you give him a bunch of pick and rolls, you give him a bunch of dynamic wings, which is the, the one thing that the Pistons have, he's going to look really, really good uh, at, at the NBA level. So, you know, you you need, if you're the Pistons, you need a guy who's going to be uh, a, a tone setter. You need a guy who's going to be a leader. You need a guy who's going to run your offense and, and run it at a super high level because that's what the NBA is about. Um, and, and I think that that Cade checks all of those boxes. So for me, it is even even if Jalen Jalen Green came in and was Superman in his workout, it, it wouldn't deter me, in my opinion, uh, one bit. I, I'd still be going up to that podium and, and, and plopping down Cade Cunningham's name. I'm more agnostic, Tony. Uh, Cade Cunningham's number one on my board. Uh, he's going to end the season number one on my board. Uh, I think he's the most uh, if, if Detroit keeps the pick. You know, he should be the favorite, but I I don't see the same gap that others are seeing between him and Evan Mobley specifically and even Jalen Green. And look, Jalen Green did finish at the top of his high school class, at least in the ESPN rankings, Uh, not not Kate Cunningham. I I think that they're they all have ceilings to be superstars. Kate has a a superstar ceiling. Evan Mobley does. Jalen Green does as well. I agree with you that Kate's floor is higher which is one of the attractive things about Cade. But I could also argue that without that elite athleticism, that maybe Evan and Jalen's ceiling is a little bit higher uh, if they hit. Uh, and, and so I, I'm I'm okay with this. If this is Troy Weaver, I, I, I like the non, non-group thing. And I do think as good as Cade is, and again, he's number one on my board, I think there has been some group think that's got into this with Cade Cunningham a little bit. Uh, I don't think it's as clear cut as people have made it out to be. I, I, I'm sure Troy Weaver will get killed on draft night if he selects Jalen Green one, but I, I don't know that at the end of the day he's not going to look really smart uh, because because Jalen Green's a player and and frankly for me I like it just with the current roster and again I would not draft on need but I'm just saying with the current roster I, I like Jalen Green's fit the best in Detroit. Uh, I like it better than Jalen Green in Houston. I like it better than Jalen Green in Cleveland. Uh, I think that there's an argument to be made there. But let's pivot to the other argument, which is that Troy Weaver's doing Oklahoma City type stuff um, right now, which is he's thinking about assets. He's thinking about maximizing assets and that this isn't Jalen Green at one. This is thinking about how do I continue to get assets to build my roster. And so let's let's talk about a couple of trade scenarios that are out there right now. We've been waiting for what we called the Godfather deal. Like what is the what team is going to push all the chips onto the table and say this is what we'll give for the number 1 pick. I believe based off of reports that he probably got it. Uh, you know, maybe there's a better deal out there that I'm not thinking of, but Oklahoma City reportedly offers Shea Gilgis Alexander and the number 6 pick in the draft for Cade uh, they've uh, they've offered a young, big combo guard all star, uh, right? Uh, and so you're getting you're getting a proven player in Shea, and you're still at a point in the draft that whether that's Kaminga 
or Scotty Barnes that's there or whatever, you're getting a, a very high level prospect as well. Again, I know you're yeah, I know you're captain of the Cade Cunningham fan club. So you're Troy Weaver. I'm Sam Presti. I push Shea out. I push the number six pick in the draft to you. I say no. <laughs> That's what Troy Weaver said. Do you do you even think about it, Tony? I mean, is it is it is it really that fast to know? Is that is it that bad a deal, or does that at least intrigue you? Uh, I'm saying no because um, for a couple of reasons. A, I think. And and I, I know that I'm playing Troy Weaver, but as Tony Jones, I think that 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 Kay Cunningham is a franchise, uh, or he has a chance to be a franchise. Um, you know, so for for that thought alone, I'm keeping Kay Cunningham. Uh, secondly, um, you're thinking you're thinking cap you're thinking cap ahead, and. Right now, if you take Shea Gibbs Alexander, you got to pay him next year, um, and you know, and and that takes away basically three years, three years of having a guy that's on a rookie deal that could be, you know, a franchise. You know, Kay Cunningham, I think, can come in and be rookie of the year, be you know, a high level player from day one. So. You're thinking four years, at least, of high-level play under, you know, relatively cheap circumstances. So you don't want to. Now you're thinking like Sam Presti. <laughs> listen, you got it. You got every. Uh, listen, Lester Freeman from The Wire said all the pieces matter. That is what he said. So all the pieces matter, and. If you're and and this is a team building thing, right? Like if you take Shea Gilders Alexander, you got to pay him a hundred million dollars in short order. If you take Kay Cunningham, you're gonna get you're probably not gonna get Shea Gilders SGA level production in year one or year two, but you're gonna get something you know in the ballpark. You're gonna get seventeen and seven and five, or you're you know you're gonna get you know rookie of the year numbers. And you're going to, you have him in year one, you have Sadiq Bey in year two, you have Killian Hayes in year two, you have all of these cheap contracts, your only contract, your only really expensive contract right now is Jeremy Grant, you're trying to build a team, you're trying in the next four years, you're trying to go and convince a free agent to come and play with Kay Cunningham while he is on his rookie deal. And so you know, for me, just because of that, for that reason alone, I'm saying no. Um, but, you know. Is there any deal that you would accept Ooh, at this point okay. for the number one right. pick? Your Troy Weaver, that that doesn't do it. And by the way, the reports were that, that Detroit turned that deal down. Uh, and so now you're Troy Weaver. Is there any deal that you accept from Oklahoma City or anyone else? For Cade Cunningham in the number one. Okay, let's say if Oklahoma City said, we'll give you SGA, we'll give you number six this year, and we'll give you our first round pick next year, which means that possibly you're coming away with Chet Holmgren. What what would you say? So so you get you get the sixth pick in this year's draft. You get Shea Gilgis Alexander, who's a young all-star, and you get whatever Oklahoma City's pick is. In twenty, no, no protection prote- on no it. Protection. No protection. Also, they throw in Lou Dort. Yeah, let's. 
Yes. Oh, yes. and Lou Dort. Lou Dort. Okay. Well. All right. So that's what it would take to pry him out of Tony Tony Jones's hand. And Tony, I think you make some really great arguments for people that are saying, you know, isn't the sh- you know the Shea is a proven player, and it's not like the sixth player in this draft is a scrub. Why doesn't Detroit do that? I think that the contract ramifications of it are very real, and also explain why uh, you're going to see Sam Presti thinking about doing this deal. Uh, because he also has to pay him uh, next year, and it starts to mess with Oklahoma City's cap flexibility as well. With the rest of the team not, and the rest of the team just right. isn't on that right. Right. on that trajectory exactly. right now. Uh, though I will have to say that it, look, at some point Sam Presti has got to quit uh, collecting assets and start building a team. And you know, I was joking with David Thorpe on the last podcast. You know, maybe he needs to check into Assets Anonymous at some point because there is this always this sort of thinking assets 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 and you know you're you're trading away Shay I think a lot of people were really surprised to see Shay on the move here it's not like he's a 25 year old or 26 the, the dude's 22 years old got to be paid next year right and that kind of screws up your cap a little bit when you got to pay somebody and you know you know the the timeline is not there and you know, and, and the, 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 the big thing is the timeline for, you know, that guy, that superstar, the one that you push all of your chips in is not there. Who's the best superstar that's potentially on the market right now? We're talking about Bradley Beal this year. Okay, so is it, wor- is it worth accumulating all your assets and put- pushing all of your chips into the middle of the table to try to acquire Bradley Beal? Probably not. But next year, when somebody else is on the market, that's probably, you know, younger, you know, a little bit more dynamic or as dynamic for the year after, then it's, then, then, you know, it's probably time. What, 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 what Sam Presti is trying to do right now is buy himself two years because he knows he's going to have, you know, a top five pick and he hopes that he has a number one pick next year. And, you know, you're getting Chet Holmgren or, if you get a top two pick, you're getting Chet Holmgren or Jalen Duren. Wait a minute, Jalen Duren. I'm sorry, Jalen Duren is the the year after. But you you know what I'm saying. Let's. I, I want to keep talking about Oklahoma City for a minute because if Detroit says no, that may not be their only option to move up in the draft. But before we do that, I want to talk about Built Bar. Built Bar has nine delicious flavors, including the occasional limited time flavor. When you talk to Built Bar fans, they're definitely passionate about their faves. There's coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel. I'm a big coconut guy myself. They taste like a Mounds bar. They're chewy. They're not dry at all. Like typically you think about protein bars. Uh, There's really something for everyone. And if you don't know what kind of flavor you want, you can get a mix box where you get two of each of the nine flavors. And here's the thing that that I think is so amazing about Built Bars. They are actually delicious. They taste great and they're healthy too. They have 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, only four grams of sugar, only four grams of net carbs, Order today and get that raspberry or mint brownie or whatever you like. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCK15. You'll get 15% off your first order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com.
And I'm back with Tony Jones of The Athletic. I'm Chad Ford. You can read my stuff over at nbabigboard.com. Also, just the shout out to Built Bar, who is going to be sponsoring live draft coverage uh, from myself, along with Rafael Barlow of Draft Junkies, uh, as we break down every pick in the draft. It's going to be live streamed on YouTube. We're going to be in TV studios here in Dallas. It's going to be really high-level production. All of our Locked On hosts are going to join us to get reaction from each of their teams. So if you want some alternative draft uh, stuff and you're thinking, hey, let's let's follow Chad live in the draft, uh, do that over at the Locked On NBA YouTube channel. And that's, that starts at 7 p.m. Eastern uh, on that Locked On uh, YouTube channel. Really excited to be covering the draft live this year. And really appreciate Locked On for for making this possible. Tony, I, I want to talk to you about one other potential idea for Oklahoma City. Detroit says no. What about Shea and maybe 16, maybe even possibly 18, straight up for the number three pick in the draft for Cleveland? Cleveland's on a little bit different timetable than Detroit. They're on a little bit different timetable than Houston right now. Does adding Shea, is that, and, and then getting a couple of mid first round picks, does that equal the number three pick in the draft in your mind? Because it starts to jumpstart that team who's getting, I think, a little bit more anxious to start to being a, a playoff contender, uh, but what, but still getting a young, you know, all star in return. And, and then maybe moving Colin Sexton you know, somewhere else and getting some sort of asset there. Do, do you like that deal for Cleveland? And that's because that's just because you think Evan Mobley's better or again, is, is it the cap ramification? Uh, no, it wouldn't be the cap ramifications with this one. This would be a fit ramification. Uh, I want the ball in Darius Garland's hands and for SGA to be maximized, the ball needs to be in his hands. Um, it's one of the reasons why uh, for me, one of, it's one of the reasons why Colin Sexton is probably expendable uh, because Darius Gollin is that good with the ball in his hands that he probably com- commands uh, the ball in his hands full-time on a full-time basis. Um, you know, so what you're looking for if you're Cleveland is you want a bunch of six foot, you want a bunch of Isaac Okoros and you want one secondary guy who, who's a, who, who can create and Shea's a primary and for me, I think that fit is just a little bit wonky. Now, the second reason is Evan Mobley. Uh, I think Evan Mobley is, listen, the scout that you talked to that said that he was Chris Bosh and, you know, AD defensively, that will probably equal the best power forward in the history of the game. Um, so maybe that's a little aggressive. At the same time, Evan Mobley is a franchise. There, we, we talked about this. In our last spot, Evan Mobley's a tier one. Jalen Green's a tier one. Kay Cunningham is a tier one. You know, so I'm not trading out of a tier one prospect that that I can get, especially as a big, especially as a guy, you know, like Evan Mobley, who I think can hold up so well defensively uh, in today's uh, NBA. Um, you know, so... For for those reasons, for those reasons, I'm, I I would say no if I were Cleveland. Okay, I'm gonna spitball one more at you, because Sam Presti is relentless. Sam, no. He is gonna keep working the phones. It, no matter how many times he hears no, he's gonna keep working the phones. So now I'm gonna talk about a three way deal. 
And you just you just react as if you're Cleveland, then I'll ask you to react if you're Toronto. Jared Allen, Darius Garland go to Toronto. Uh, the fourth pick goes back to Cleveland. Shea goes to Cleveland. And Cleveland sends the fourth pick back to Oklahoma City. So Oklahoma City has four and six now. Cleveland has three and Shea. Uh, and Toronto trades the fourth pick in the draft for Garland and Jared Allen. So let's just start from Cleveland. So now you're now you're building a franchise around Evan Mobley and Shea, uh, you know, and then with with some pieces around them. Do, do you like that deal? Because uh, I know you're a Darius Garland guy. Are you a Garland guy over Shea, or is it is it Shea over Garland in your? So opinion? I'm still getting Evan Mobley with the third pick. You're getting Evan Mobley and Shea, but you're losing Garland and Jared. Uh, Allen. I would I would probably think about doing that if I were Cleveland. Uh, yeah, yeah. Now the question is, what are you building around Shea? Because now you've given up Darius Garland, so, and you've given up Jared Allen, so you're paying. It's, it's sort of like what each is sort of in the same. Um, you're in the same uh, um, range as Detroit, which is you have a hundred million dollar player on a roster, and you're still a twenty five one team. Um, you know, so, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, I'm probably still saying no, but I'm definitely giving it a lot more thought than I'm giving it, than I'm giving Shay and pick 16 and 18. All right. Let's talk about it. This from Toronto's perspective, they're being rumored to also being active at looking at trading this pick is Darius Garland and Jared Allen worth the fourth pick in this draft. I would say no, because um, I, you know, obviously Fred Van Vliet, um, but I really, really like Malachi Flynn and um, obviously Gary Trent Jr. is there. And I don't like, I don't like Darius Garland uh, over Jalen Suggs, you know, simply is, I, I think Jalen Suggs, you know, I had him as a tier one, so. Um, I think Jalen Suggs is, is going to be really, really good. So essentially you've closed off every door, uh, that, that Sam Presti has to get up here into the top four. And, and at that point, if he can't get in the top four, does that make, it probably doesn't make sense to him to swap and, and give up a major asset to move up one pick in the draft. Uh, with we haven't done anything with Houston yet though. Have we? All right. Like, do you get do you got a Houston proposal for for you, Oklahoma City? You have a Houston proposal for Oklahoma City. Uh, SGA and six for 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 two. Okay. So you you turned this deal down for Cleveland, but you would do this deal for Chris, the Rockets. Christian well, Wood is on a second contract. They're more ready to win mm-hmm. now. Okay. And so you get Shea and Christian Wood. Where does Shea and Christian Wood though? Because now you're giving up the number two two pick in the draft for this, and you're getting the sixth pick in the draft. So whoever that right. is, you know, Scotty Barnes, or whatever, right? Or, or Scotty Barnes. It's probably Kaminga or Scotty Barnes, uh, but probably more likely Kaminga than Barnes. So let's say it's Shea, Scotty Barnes, Christian Wood. Isn't that team in the West still? miles away from being a playoff contender and now you're paying two guys without without really a star that is probably true so you probably 
you know, you have to you have to weigh that if 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 you're Raphael, um, and you have to weigh that if you're Sam Presti. Um, I think you have to weigh if you're Sam Presti. You know, do you want to trade Shea SGA to a Western Conference team um, to where you're going to see that team at least three times a year? Um, so that's also something that you have to weigh as well. Um, you know, but the Houston style is probably a lot more conducive to SGA and Kevin Porter having the basketball in their hands and just kind of switching off and just going to get buckets. Um, you know, so there's that. But, you know, I'm probably saying off I'm Houston because, you know, it's it's kind of the same thing. You know, Jalen Green is is a rookie. You know, KPJ is is you know, who has turned out to be, you know, we all knew how talented he was. He's just got to kind of, you know, uh, keep his, be mentally there. Uh, let's just put it that way. Um, you know, and, and if he is, then KPJ is a dynamic talent. I love Jalen Green for the Rockets. Like, I love the the potential of, of Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green in the same backcourt. Like, I, I think I think they they could be in time, if they keep those two together, I think that they could be just lethal and dynamic. So, so interesting, all of these permutations. If somehow Sam Presti got up to number two, I could see him then threatening to take Evan Mobley, who I think Cleveland may prefer over Jalen Green at three and then extracting some sort of asset out of Cleveland to swap spots. It might also be the place where he could get up to one then. If he's up at two and and Detroit's at one, he does have a stockpile of future picks. He has some other interesting prospects on his roster or whatever. Maybe at two, then he pries the pick away from Detroit. And I, and I just... If if he moves up to two or three, my gut tells me he won't be done there, uh, that that won't be the end of what Sam Presti's trying to do. I think Oklahoma City is by far the most fascinating team to watch in all of this. And whether they can actually get it done or not is really tough when you have this strong uh, draft at the top. And as Tony's pointing out, maybe these guys that he's offering, they're just, whether it's in 2022 or whether it's, you know, Shea, they just don't have the ceilings of the Evan Mobleys and Jalen Greens, Kate Cunningham's, and, and in Tony's estimation, maybe even Jalen Suggs's of this draft. And so it, this just may be the case that Oklahoma City's stuck. But from everybody that I'm talking to in the league, Sam Presti is burning up the phones right now trying to make something happen. So we're going to watch that closely as we get closer to the draft. When Tony and I come back, we're going to talk about the Golden State Warriors, who are another team that I think uh, are everybody's focusing on what happens in the draft. And we'll talk about a few other teams that might uh, be uh, trade trade options uh, for them as we get into the last couple of days before the draft. He's Tony Jones of The Athletic. I'm Chad Ford from Chad Ford's NBA Big Board. You can go check out my stuff at nbabigboard.com. Let's talk about Rock Auto because this episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain and auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure almost pointless or seemingly intimidating questions and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on your computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. 
Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why choose to spend 30, 50, even 100% more than the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? They have everything you need from brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck, right? Locked on. And they're how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. That's rockauto.com. And I'm back with Tony Jones of The Athletic. He's been joining us on the podcast all year. Really appreciate his insights. Really knows his stuff, not just about the NBA, but the NBA draft as well. And getting able to combine those strengths with Tony today as we look at some some trade options and some trade rumors that are out there right now. So we've talked a lot about the top of the draft. And then we get to seven, Tony. And this is where, to me, the draft becomes really complicated because Golden State has the seventh and 14th pick in the draft. They are in win-now mode. They are in not like playoff-now mode. They're in championship-type mode right now. 7 and 14 have an interesting... You could go get some older prospects, Davian Mitchell, Corey Kispert, Chris Duarte, what have you. Try to have those guys come help you right now. You could say, no, 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 we're building for the future, and I'm going to go get uh, you know, a Josh Giddy or James Booknight or, or something else. I'm not going to worry so much about how they play right now, but I'm going to build them along with James Wiseman. Or you take all of this stuff together and maybe James Wiseman, you package it together, you make a deal. I think that's where Golden State is leaning, but I think they're having a hard time getting the type of player that I think they need to get to be willing to move Wiseman 7 and 14 right now. And just based off of what I'm seeing and talking both internally to the Warriors as well as sort of what you're seeing on the face, the workouts that they've been going through or whatever, it looks like they're rolling into this draft with the assumption now that they're going to keep 7 and 14. So I'm going to ask you three questions, but we'll, we'll do one answer at a time. First of all, do you think that Golden State should trade Wiseman seven and 14. And, and frankly, it's probably going to be Andrew Wiggins as well, uh, just so that they can bring in another, you know, young, young all-star. If that deals out there, whether that's Ben Simmons or whether that's uh, um, Bradley Beal, or maybe it's even someone like Pascal Siakam. Do you do that deal if you're Golden State? I mean, you probably do it if you're Golden State, but the problem is, why why would another team take Wiggins? Because any team in, in in the position where they're trading you back a star player, like if Washington is trading you back Bradley Beal, then they don't want Wiggins. They're trying to trade Russell Westbrook and clear their books. You know, so why are you taking on $28 million of salary? Uh, so Well, you're getting you're getting Wiseman and two more lottery picks. Yeah. And I, I think some of that is that you're taking back Wiggins. And Wiggins not an untradeable contract, though. I mean, he's he's not like he's a scrub. He's not a scrub, but, you know, I, I think that at this point his, his contract is long-term. And, and if there's two, and, and I'm just keeping this Washington-specific, there are a couple of things that would give me pause if, if I'm Tommy Shepard. If I'm taking back Wiggins, then I'm, I'm getting in the way of Denny. And I'm getting in the way 
of Roy Hashimura. And both of those got Roy's in his third year. Denny's going into his second year. They have a chance to be a dynamic wing combo. They have a chance to be really good together. I'm not getting in the way of those guys. I'm not bringing Andrew Wiggins in to get in the way of those guys. Uh, number two, if I'm Tommy Shepard, you know, I'm getting, I already have Daniel Gafford. Uh, he's probably at least right now, 75 to 80% of James Wiseman. And he's going to be a lot cheaper um, long-term. And I'm getting back Thomas Bryant. So where do I, you know, I mean, how do I play Wiseman when Gafford was, when A, you're getting back Thomas Bryant. Thomas Bryant is really good. And B, uh, Daniel Gafford, uh, as we saw towards the end of the regular season in the playoffs, he can actually play. So, I mean, maybe, maybe Daniel Gafford's probably not enough to stand in the way of James Wiseman, but maybe he is. Um, you know, so so that's that's number two. Um, you know, so if, if I'm Tommy Shepard, you have to the assets that you're getting are seven and fourteen, right? So the question that I have to ask if I'm Tommy Shepard is essentially is Bradley Beal worth trading to Golden State to get back seven and fourteen? Am I getting a game changer at seven? You're definitely you're probably not getting one at fourteen. But can you get one at seven? So then, you know, if you're Tommy Shepard, then you're basically in Sam Presti's position. You make the trade and you're burning up the phone lines trying to get up into the top five or the top four. So there, there's a lot of there's a lot of nuance that has to, to, to be there. And, you know, like I said, I mean, it's, it's the same thing, you know, where, you know, you, if, if, if you're if you're trading bill then essentially you're starting over. That means you got to get rid of what Russ. That means you got to find a taker for Davis Bertans and you got to, you got to shed salary and you got to start all, start all over. And then you got to go into asset accumulation mode and you have to, and you have to develop Denny and you have to develop Roy Hashimura. Um, but it's harder to do that if you're taking back Andrew Wiggins and you're taking back that contract on on the, on on multiple levels so to me that's that's the battle that golden state is fighting as they try to package those picks so l let's say that that bradley beal's a no damian lillard's a no and ben simmons probably a no i mean i don't think philadelphia is looking for that package back i think they would have to get a third team involved that would get philly back you know who they want so let's go to toronto for a minute if you're Masai. Do you tear this team down? Kyle Lowry probably leaving via free agency anyway. Is this the type of move that makes sense for Toronto? Because they could keep four. They get 714 Wiseman. They send off Siakam. You know, maybe there's a, a few other pieces that, that go to Golden State as well to sort of make that work. Uh, and one... Does that make sense for you in Toronto right now? Because you've built a team that's solid. Maybe if everybody's healthy, they're a playoff team. But this is not a championship contender anymore. They they really haven't been since they lost Kawhi. And and you just really start to get from the ground up and say Wiseman four seven. We're just we're just gonna we're gonna collect all these assets. Well, maybe maybe I'll try to package them together to move up, get future assets. Who knows? 
uh, one, does that make sense for Toronto? And then two, would Siakam be enough in Golden State to say we're going to trade all this out? And by the way, Andrew Wiggins, Canadian, uh, you you know, you have to take the money back, but he is from Canada. And, you know, maybe there's, you know, maybe there's something there that, that they can make out of it over the next couple of so years. So is, is, is the same questions, right? I think it makes a little bit more sense for Toronto than it does for Washington. Um, you know, but if you're trading Pascal Siakam, what are you doing with Fred Van Fleet, right? Like, and you're paying him long-term, you're paying him a hundred million dollars. So you're, if, if you do this deal, if you're Maasai, then you're in a sense, I mean, you're, 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 you're trying to build on the fly, but you're taking salary back and you're still going to be over the cap. Um, you're still taking 25 million back. And that's the whole problem. Andrew Wiggins is getting paid like a near max guy and he's not a max guy. He's a, he's a starter. That's what he is. So, you know, it, it makes a little bit more sense for me for Toronto because you can still get Suggs and you can still get Kaminga at seven because we, we both think Kaminga is going to be there at seven and you might be able to get somebody really good um, at 14, um, you know, but now you're, you're on the clock to develop these three picks in four years to get them to a point where they can win and you still can't build around them the way you build around these, the way you normally build around a young team because you're paying Andrew Wiggins $25 million a year. So, you know, to me, that's just, that's just what Golden State's fighting. Like they have to include Wiggins in any, in any of those picks and Siakam would be great for, for, for Golden State. I like Siakam for Golden State better than I like Bill for Golden State because Siakam's, uh, Siakam's a lot more of what they need. Um, Beal is kind of like an embarrassment of riches for them. Like, yeah, they, you know, obviously that's just another dynamic ball in hand guard. But Siakam is, to me, in my estimation, more of what they actually need. I think this is a, a you know, a fascinating one for me. I, I actually like this move for the Raptors for a couple of reasons. One, a core of Wiseman, let's say it's Jalen Suggs and Kaminga. That's, that's not a bad young core to start to build around and keeping Fred Van Vliet and Andrew Wiggins on the roster uh, means that, you know, maybe you don't have to have an unbearable team to watch. First of all, they're not, you know, they're not going to be, you know, the 76ers where they're, you know, they're winning 11 games this season. And by the time those young guys are developed, Wiggins and Van Vliet are either in the last years of their deal um, or they're off the books. And, and all of a sudden now you've got a ton of money and free agency to go, you know, go get whoever else you want to add to that mix. And and probably Van Vliet, you could actually trade now. I actually think there's probably a market for Fred Van Vliet. If Kyle, if Kyle Lowry is going to get $30 million a year, there's a team out there that... I, I agree with you there. I'm a huge Fred Van Vliet fan. I think he's really, really good. So 
So if you don't if you don't want him there uh, and and you need to get a little bit more cap space, I think it's there. I think that might be the right decision for Toronto. And like you, Siakam to me, you know, I get why Damian Lillard or Bradley Beal are attractive to Golden State. I get it, but to me, from a basketball perspective, I've always thought Siakam and even to a certain extent Ben Simmons made more sense to what would 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 fill out their roster in a, in a more intriguing way for me. And so that's the deal that I see that I think makes the most sense. It's not the big name of, of Lillard or Beal or, or even Ben Simmons, but Pascal Siakam there. Uh, interesting choices to make for uh, Masai there. Let's say for a minute that they can't get a deal done. You seem pretty pessimistic that they're going to be able to, to make that deal. And, and I think that that's some of the vibes that I'm getting out of Golden State right now are, are the same, that right now there's just nothing cooking um, that gives them any optimism that that this deal can get done. Now, a, a, out of fairness, by the time this podcast runs tomorrow, <laughs> they could be traded. Things do heat up in the last day. You don't. You typically don't get your best offers until you know the Wednesday uh, of the draft, and so there's a caveat there. But let's talk about what you would do if you're Golden State at seven and fourteen. Then, if you're keeping these picks, who would be your picks at seven and fourteen? Um, if if Kaminga's there, I'm probably taking Kaminga. If Kaminga's not there, if I'm Golden State, I'm taking Josh Giddy at seven. And uh, at fourteen, I'm praying that Davion Mitchell falls to fourteen. Yeah, this is this is going to be an interesting one uh, because. Uh, I, I I like this in some ways because what Tony's doing here is kind of splitting the difference, right? He's using seven on a high upside player that probably doesn't do much to help you. I don't think Josh Giddy or Jonathan Kaminga can really get many minutes uh, next year for Golden State. But you're developing and you're thinking young core with James Wiseman down the road and you're thinking about sustainability. And then at 14, you're taking a guy, Mitchell, who, who will be able to play for the Warriors next year and, and bring something defensively. Uh, that's a really intriguing way to do it. I think the other way, if you're really ballsy, if you're Golden State, is even at 14, you take a Zaire Williams or something else and you you swing twice and, and say, we're going to handle this in free agency. I do think it's going to be tough for them at 14 to pass on Davian Mitchell. From what I heard, he came back in for a second workout at Golden State, uh, tore it up um, in the workout. And if Steve Kerr is cheering loudly uh, for Davian Mitchell, now whether the front office listens to the coach, a lot of times I think fans are surprised coaches don't have a lot of say uh, often in what what sort of happens in the draft. Uh, maybe Steve has a little bit more juice than some coaches um, out there, but that will be really interesting to see um, what they do. Book night. Do you like book night at all uh, instead of uh, Giddy and Kaminga uh, at seven? Well, you know, the thing about it is I'm hearing book nights getting a lot of traction towards the top of the draft, right? Like, and well, this is seven. I'm talking about yeah, that's, seven. That's, so that's towards book night doesn't go, it, it doesn't go higher than six. Um, you know, I, I really, the thing I love about book night, I love his athleticism. Like the athleticism is, it jumps off the page at you. And I think the 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 ease of his shot jumps off the jumps off at me in this film. He shoots a really easy basketball. Um and you know, I, I think he needs to add I think he needs to add some significant strength. Um I don't think um I think he, he needs to, to prove that he can shoot it consistently. Um but I think he's potentially a dynamic offensive player. 
and he's a guy that you can put the ball in his hands and and he can get some things done for you off the bounce and ISO and in pick and roll. So um, for those reasons, I mean, that's a, you know, guys that, that, that get buckets like that is a really valued skill uh, in the NBA. So, so I, I do like him. Yeah. I think he's an intriguing fit in that he's probably one of the more NBA ready prospects in the draft, but he's still young. You're not, you're not, you know, cashing in this on a 23 or 24 year old here at seven. You're talking about a 21 year old, and and but but could probably earn some minutes uh, on even the Warriors uh, coming off the bench and maybe like a Jordan Clarkson, uh, you know, type role for him coming off the bench. All right, Tony, uh, we're really about a day away from the draft here. Any other major trades that you're looking at right now? Any other team that either you're hearing or you just think they should make their big move right now in the draft? Um, well, I mean, you know, let's talk about the team that I cover. Let's talk about the Utah Jazz. What are you doing if you're the Jazz? I thought you were going to say the Knicks, but okay. <laughs> I don't cover the Knicks. I co- yeah, I, yeah, yeah. No, I, but your heart is heart in New is York. heart is definitely in New York. Um, Chris Duarte, please fall the 19th. Okay. Um, if you're the Utah Jazz, what are you doing? What are you doing, Chad? I, I, I don't think the guy is there at 30. If we're just talking about the draft for a minute, that's going to help them. They're going to spend a ton of money on Mike Conley. Uh, I, I think that you punt this draft, get a get a future asset out of it, and then you know you've got some young players on their roster already uh, that you're still kind of trying to develop, including last year's first round pick and last year's second round pick, Elijah Hughes. And so punt this draft. If I'm if I'm Utah, I know that's not a sexy thing. I know that's what fans hate to hate to hear that, but I think you punt, pick up a future asset. And uh, and use whatever cap flexibility or whatever you get out of that uh, to you know help the team down the road with the fact that they're going to have to pay Mike Conley a lot of money. I think the question I want to ask you back, we can you can answer the draft too, is do you trade Joe Inglis? Because it seems like there's some smoke out there that maybe Inglis might be, you know, someone that the that the Jazz may may offer up uh, to to try to change at least somewhat the parameters. Well, of this team. if you're going to trade Joe Ingles, then you have to trade him with the 30 pick in my, in my opinion. Um, and if you're trading Joe Ingles, you know, the reason why I say you have to trade him with the 30 pick is because if you're trading Joe Ingles, you're, you're trading him for a guy that, that you got a guy that can, um, and that can help win a championship right now. So um, if, you know, okay, so if you're Boston, do you take Joe Ingles and number 30 for Marcus Smart? If you're Boston. If you're Boston? No, I can't believe uh, that Brad Stevens is going to ever trade away Marcus Smart. Um, I think he thinks he's too valuable for him there. Uh, I, I just, and now that Brad Stevens, you know, was the, was the coach and now that Danny Ainge would have done it. Danny Ainge would have ripped Brad Stevens heart out and done it. But now that Brad Stevens is running the show, I, I don't see it happening. No. If you're the Lakers, do you trade Kuzma and 22 for Joe Ingles and 30 or for just Joe Ingles straight up? Yeah, because I think the Lakers have to do something. Uh, I think that the, the issue for the Lakers is I'm not sure I'm ready to make that trade on draft night until I see what else I can get out there. Obviously, you know, you hear this, the rumblings that they're looking at Russell Westbrook. I don't know actually how they make a Russell Westbrook deal. I don't know. Um, frankly, I'm not sure. I don't, I don't know how that math works. Because uh, why, if, 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 if Tommy Shepard is trading, this is for all the Laker fans that were in my mentions. The question that you have to ask yourself as a Laker fan, if you're, 
Tommy Shepard and you've the only reason you're trading Russell Westbrook is because you've already traded Bradley Bill, correct? So if you're Tommy Shepard, why are you taking back $25 million in salary that is Dennis Schroeder and a sign and trade? Because it would have to be a sign and trade with Schroeder. Yeah, that's the only way it makes sense. Why and makes sense financially and, is for Schroeder and a sign and trade in an overpriced deal. And, and why in the world, if you're Tommy Shepard, would you take back Dennis Schroeder? In that in that sign and trade deal, so I, I don't know that there's a Russell Westbrook trade out there for the Lakers. Yeah, this is this is tough. Uh, I agree. I I I see why the Lakers would want Russell Westbrook. I even see why the Wizards might want off Russell Westbrook. It's just that it's it it doesn't it, it just doesn't financially make sense uh, to to make a deal happen there. Uh, so I I think that's really interesting. So that you know maybe that's what they're stuck with. But I will say. Uh, the go from Russell Westbrook to Joe Ingles is a pretty huge wake up call for, uh, you know, for Lakers fans. Uh, and, and that's not dogging Joe Ingles, who was a legitimate six man of the year candidate this year, uh, at, you know, as well, and, and could certainly help in LA. Uh, would you do that deal if you were Utah? Um, I, I would do that deal if I were Utah, if Chris Duarte were still on the board. See the only guy that that could be there because the, now you're talking about the 22 pick in the draft. Is there anybody else that you would say other than Duarte is a is a pick for the Jazz? I would do that deal. I would do that deal if Trey Murphy were on the board. Okay. Anybody else? Usman Garuba. I probably would not if I were Utah because Usman right now is a five. So you're, I mean, in a vacuum, I would probably do the deal. But for a fit, you're probably doing that deal for Usman to play 10 minutes a night. So, um, um, I'm trying to think of if there's anybody else. If Moses Moody is on the board at 22, yeah, he. I, I, would I don't be, see that. But I don't see that. What if Kai Jones is on the board? And forget about whether the guy plays or not. You just see this opportunity to have what everybody's been clamoring this elite athletic um you know guy that can defend multiple positions which i you know i think kai could um do you swing for the fences and just take kai jones and say we're going to develop him down the road yeah but rudy's rudy's still 29 years old so rudy you i don't think kai, i don't think kai's a five and i personally don't think kai's a five in the nba if if you can prove to me that he can play the four maybe um that is intriguing though, because Kaja, his athleticism is ridiculous. And it's not just the the bouncy part that we typically think about. It's the lateral part. It's the it's the lateral quickness. He moves like a guard, and and so in 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 a league where if Rudy has a weakness, um, right, it's that sort of lateral, you know, that lateral speed and and being able to get out and guard guys on the perimeter like that. Kai Jones, I think, can do that. Yeah, I agree uh, with now, you. He's not. He's not experienced enough to do it at a playoff level now. I mean, I'm not saying he could do that next year in the NBA, but that's that's the potential for him down the road. So we're looking at Kai Jones as a more athletic Nick Claxton. Kai Jones is one of the most ridiculous athletes that I've ever seen for a player that size. And 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 again, it's not just because of the explosiveness. It's it's the it's the lateral quickness and speed uh, and the weight and the fluidity with which he moves his body that um, just intrigues me to death, but also scares me because I'm not sure the basketball part uh, is there yet. 
Uh, I don't think Kai will be there, by the way, but I, I, it's interesting to sort of throw these uh, scenarios um, out there. Uh, but Jazz fans should be excited about that. 22 is much better, in my opinion, in this draft than, than What 30. if Corey Kispert is there? Do you think the Knicks pass on Corey Kispert? Twice? You know Tibbs don't like shooters. <laughs> Tibbs also likes guys that can play, and, and I think that the is, Knicks could use some shooting. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. And, and Kispert, for all the stereotypes, is not a terrible defender. No, he's not. Uh, I... I uh, he's not a guy that's just a massive liability on the defensive end. I think I think that that there's stereotyping going on there. I don't I don't think he's that. So I don't think Kispert gets past 19 and 21. Uh, you know where the Knicks are right now. But maybe if the Knicks trade those picks, uh, Kispert could be there. Though Kispert's getting a long look at Indiana as well, and that's the other place that you've got to think about him. And you also got to think about him with the Pelicans now. The Pelicans are going to be. Obviously, in win win now mode, they're going to bring in, uh, you know, maybe uh, if they can get the deal done, Kyle Lowry, uh, and so Corey Kispert would also make a lot of sense with the Pelicans at seventeen. Yeah, I agree. No, I mean, you know, if you if you're the Jazz, I mean, you know, that twenty second pick, you know, because the Jazz right now don't think that anybody at the thirty pick can help them next year, and and I think that that's their conundrum right now, um, but. There, there should be multiple guys at 22 that can help them next year. You know, so, it, it, you know. All right. Well, Tony gives us a little vision of, of maybe what's to come later in the draft. A lot of talk about the Lakers trading. Uh, there's, a, there's a jazz, juicy jazz rumor for you. Tony, it's been so fun to talk about this whole draft with you all year. Can't wait to actually see what happens on draft night. And I'm sure we're going to get together soon and, and break it all down. Just really appreciate your time. If you haven't already checked out Tony at The Athletic, he does an incredible job over there. Uh, amazing jazz columnist, but knows so much about the NBA. Just grateful to have him on. Make sure you also check us out at nbabigboard.com. We're in crunch time now. On Thursday, we are going to have our final mock draft. Uh, of the year it'll be updated live throughout the day as different things go down it's going to be a super fun day we're also doing a mock draft contest over at the website right now uh, with uh, lots of uh, complimentary subscriptions on the line if you can beat me uh, in in your mock draft and so everybody can put their mock drafts out there uh, if you get 15 uh, or more mock drafts i'll give you a uh, 15 out of 30 i'll give you a lifetime subscription uh, to NBA Big Board because that's a heck of a mock draft if you can get 15 out of the 30 uh, picks correctly. And also just make sure you tune in live on draft night. Go to the Locked On NBA YouTube channel. I'm going to be there. Rafael Barlow is going to be there. John Corrales is going to be there. We're going to break down every pick in the draft as well as all of our Locked On hosts. That's on Locked On NBA YouTube channel. And Tony, can't wait to see what happens in the next 24 to 36 hours. It's going to be fun. Absolutely. It's already started. It's already starting. All right. You've been listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Locked On Podcast Network. My my podcast on Thursday will be going over my final mock draft. And so for those of you wondering what sort of happens on what I'm hearing and what's reporting, that'll all be covered in the podcast on Thursday. Until then, you're listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Locked On Podcast Network. Aloha. (laughs) 